From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. As a person transitions from one gender to another, surgery is sometimes part of the process. A plastic surgeon at Upstate is here with me today in the studio to explain how these surgeries are done. Welcome to Dr. Prashant Upadhyaya. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Now, I know you specialize in, in plastic or reconstructive surgery, and I know many of your patients have breast cancer or melanoma, um, but you also have men and women who seek your expertise because they're transitioning from one gender to the other. Um, how do you describe transgender surgery? So uh, transgender surgery has come a long way. Uh, we used to call it sex reassignment surgery or sex change operation. I think the preferred term is probably sex affirmation surgery or gender affirmation surgery. Um, probably in the near future, it will all come down to be called as a gender surgery. So it's been defined as surgery to modify the primary or secondary sexual characteristics of a patient or a person who wants to change their uh, gender. Okay. Now, are we hearing about this more often? It seems like we hear about it more often. Or are You're there right. statistics that show that there's more of these procedures being done? Oh, there are definitely statistics. I think there has been an expl explosion of uh, information and awareness regarding the subject. Uh, according to uh, ASPS, that is American Society of Plastic Surgery Statistics, the difference in the number of surgeries or the surgeries increased from 2000 to 2017 by a whopping 300%. So um, previously, if 2,000 cases were been done in 2016, we had almost 6,000 cases of um, surgeries being done in 2017. Is there more interest in this or more patients or just the availability of the service that people are now connecting with? I think it's a combination of everything. Um, definitely more awareness. Patients have better access. Uh, more and more insurances are uh, covering these procedures. Um, there's also awareness that this is not just a cosmetic surgery, but probably a reconstructive surgery. So, um, and this is backed by a lot of research, which consistently shows that patients who undergo surgery have a better quality of life. Well, if I understand correctly, transitioning from male to female or female to male is um, a process that's got many steps to it. So at what point does a surgeon get involved? Because there's other endocrinologists maybe, or there's other physicians that might be part of the steps that the patient takes, right? You're very right. And this is a great question. Um, I, I do want to remove the misconception that transgender surgery uh, or a whim or something that's decided on the spot. It's actually a very, very long process. Typically, the patient enters multiple months to years of therapy by a qualified mental health provider. Uh, they then if they decide to, I refer to an endocrinologist who decide, who decide if the patient is a suitable person to undergo hormone therapy. It's only, typically, it's only after hormone therapy has been uh, uh, proceeded with and successfully implemented for over a year, and the person has lived in the desired gender role for over an year, that surgery is considered. Of course, every case is different, and we can't just blanket uh, every case as having a as requiring more than a year of uh, hormone therapy or uh, a delay. But typically, that's what we follow. So it's not the case that someone just decides they want to change gender, so they come to you and say, make exactly, me whatever. Exactly, exactly. So. 
pretty much I am never the first person to encounter a patient or a person wanting to change their gender. They have been extensively worked up and uh, are under some kind of therapy before they are referred to me. All right. Well, you said that it's um, modifying primary or secondary characteristics. What are What's primary and what's secondary? What do you mean? Uh, so primary is what a person is born with. Uh, secondary is what develops after puberty. So um, it's uh, uh, the typical uh, uh, features you develop after puberty would be breast enlargement, enlargement of the external genitalia, pigmentation of the external genitalia, and uh, change in voice, um, change in the facial characteristics, so on and so forth. The surgeries that you're involved with, are they um, on adults or, or people after puberty mostly? Or? Well, as of now, I offer surgery only on adults, so at the age of 18 years. That is just something that I personally uh, believe. That's, there's really no such uh, uh, guideline. There is a stand of care published by WPATH, that is the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, which we very closely follow. And as of now, they're limited to uh, adults, consenting adults who can undergo surgery, like any other procedure. Whether okay. this will change, I don't know. But as of now, I offer surgery only on adults. All right. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with surgeon Prashant Upadhyaya about transgender surgery. So let's talk about the surgeries that you perform. Um, top and bottom, are those surgeries that are right. done together at the same time? or Yeah, typically we don't. Uh, so surgeries can broadly be classified as top surgery and bottom surgery and others. Others would be more of a cosmetic nature, and the typical example is trans uh, uh, or facial feminization surgery. That is typically, as of now, covered, not covered by insurance and is done more in the cosmetic, uh, most, mostly done by cosmetic surgeons. Okay. Uh, and the patients self-pay for that. What insurance typically co nowadays cover is the top surgery, which is uh, essentially chest reconstruction. So it could mean uh, chest feminization in... Um, male to female transgender patients, or just masculinization. So either adding or removing breasts. Something like that, Something yes. like that. Yeah. Okay. And the bottom surgery, the one we offer as of now is uh, conversion of uh, male genitalia to uh, female. Well, let's, um, let's focus on the top surgery. So how do you prepare someone for this? Is there anything that they have to do in advance to get ready for this surgery? Um, Fortunately, most of the patients I get are extremely motivated and well-prepared. They must, they usually are one of the most well-informed patient group I've ever seen. They come with uh, all the information, they're aware of what scars they have. I think they have a very strong cohort and they kind of uh, feed each other information. So, um, I mean, I still go through all the procedure, all the aspects of the procedure with them, but typically they are very, very well-informed and have very few questions. So let me ask you this, besides the size, is there a difference in a male breast or a female breast that, that you're born with? Um, that's a difficult question to answer. I think the more appropriate question probably which applies here would be the technique. Is the technique of a breast augmentation in uh, cis uh, females the same as transgender females? Uh, I would say that on the whole, it's pretty much the same, but there are important differences. And these are the, these are the aspects we uh, emphasize and show the uh, patients. 
fortunately they are very well aware and they have very reasonable expectations and uh, it's usually a very successful surgery. So how involved is the surgery? Is it a, is it a uh, one day surgery or do you have to stay over? Right, uh, just like any other surgery um, um, on cis uh, gender patients, it's a fairly simple procedure compared to some of the other bigger procedures that we do. Uh, most of the procedures are same day procedures. Patients spend the, uh, after surgery, they spend maybe a couple of hours in the recovery room and then typically go home. They may or may not have drains and the post-op care is typically not very difficult. All right. And they uh, recover and they're able to start, I don't know, doing exercise and that sorts of things in a few right. weeks? Or? Again, I would say, yeah, give or take a few weeks. Uh, again, uh, you know, we cannot generalize this. It all depends on patient to patient. But in general, they're not any more involved than cisgender surgeries. Will there be sensation in the breast tissue? Will you be able to feel sensation after the masculinization or the feminization? Well, anytime you have surgery, the nerves can get affected, so the sensation may get altered. And this is something that is clearly explained to anyone undergoing any kind of chest uh, reconstruction, both in uh, trans or cisgender patients. So uh, given the amount of tissue taken out, the sensation does uh, change, and um, it's very difficult to point out how much will the change be. All right. Can we talk about the bottom surgery? You said from sure. male to female. So your, your patient um, would be coming to you for vaginoplasty? Is that what it's called? Well, uh, that's a generic term. Uh, there is a, obviously a lot more that goes on um, when this surgery is done. This is a much more involved procedure. And uh, typically, we would require at least two letters from uh, uh, mental health providers stating the suitability of the patient for this procedure and the need for this procedure, along with endocrinology and other specialists who have cleared the patient for this surgery. The patient obviously has to be healthy to undergo a fairly lengthy procedure. Um, this procedure is done in conjunction with, uh, or this is actually a team approach, and a group of three surgeons are doing it together, and I'm actually the person who shows up last to fashion the external genitalia. Majority of the work is done by Dr. Nikloski and Dr. Blakely, uh, who urologists? are urologists, who are our uh, department urologists. Well, I was yes. going to ask, is this just, just, is this uh, an operation on external genitalia, but that's not the case. No, There's a it's lot actually of... much more involved. Um, a neo-vagina is created and has to be fixed inside the abdomen, and that is why it's done uh, through a robotic approach. Um, uh, we have probably done 15 or more cases of this uh, procedure right now, and uh, we have been seeing some extremely encouraging results. Um, it's a lengthy procedure? Does it take a, a while to do in the operating room? Or? I would say, yeah. Um, I mean, we probably have cut down the uh, amount of time it requires. But yeah, it's definitely much more involved than, say, a chest reconstruction surgery. Will a transgender female need a gynecologist after going through this type of surgery? That's a good question. Uh, we have to remember that uh, there's still a lot of uh, female genitalia and tissue inside the patient, even though they are on hormones. So they will need to undergo regular uh, uh, periodic surveillance, just like any other cisgender uh, female. Um, uh, there are some uh, providers in our system who kind of specialize in this and make special provisions so that uh, the uh, cis or uh, the trans men do not feel uh, 
awkward going to a gynecologist. Sure. So you mentioned hormone treatments. Um, is that something that this individual will be on for life? I would think so, yes. Uh, fortunately, we have a very good team of endocrinologists in uh, our own uh, Justin Institute uh, who take care of uh, such patients and, in fact, are the primary source of referral for me. Uh, it's usually they who take care of the patient for a long time and um, only once they feel that the patient is an appropriate candidate do they refer the patient to me for surgery. Um, what's recovery like for bottom surgery? Is, is it a lengthier... It sounds like it's a lot more involved than the top surgery. Would you be in the hospital? Uh, I would say the patient will probably be staying in the hospital for two to three nights. Um, it's getting better and better, and uh, our, especially our younger, healthier patients are leaving the hospital within two nights. But expect to stay in the hospital for a couple of days. Have you uh, been there when a patient wakes up from the anesthesia from this surgery just to see and... and what it's like for them in a new gender? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, as I said, I'm usually the last person or doing, I'm the person doing the last part of the procedure. So we're all there. And uh, by the time patient wakes up, the first thing they ask is, how do I look? And typically, we actually take a photograph and load it to the chart and uh, so that, that the patient can actually see how they look. And... Um, that's a very gratifying moment uh, to see the look on the patient's face when they figure out that this is what they wanted and they kind of reached their destination. Wow. Well, thanks so much for sharing this information. I appreciate you being here. My guest has been plastic surgeon Prashant Upadhyaya. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.